All of this flows from the resurrection. As we saw last week, the evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming. The resurrection is a fact of history. And our faith is founded not on speculation, but on the reality that is released as a result of the raising of Jesus from the dead. And so this week, I want us to consider the implications of this event, both for Jesus and for us. Firstly, by the resurrection, death was defeated. By the resurrection, death was defeated. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. It was impossible for him to be held in the power of death. So God raised him up. Why is that? It's because death came about as the curse of disobedience. Genesis 2.17 From when you eat, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Humanity was not created to die. But through our willful and deliberate rebellion against God's word, death entered the human race. And this means that from that time on, everyone has been destined to die physically. This is the natural consequence of living in a fallen world and having the seeds of corruption within us. As Benjamin Franklin said, in this world, nothing could be said to be certain except death and taxes. Does each of us have an appointment that we must keep? The issue then becomes what happens after that? If we are nothing but flesh and blood, the answer is nothing. However, if we believe we have a soul and a spirit that live on after death, what becomes of them? The answer is determined by the decisions we've made in this life. And it's not about how good or how bad we are, but whether we put our trust in the one who conquered death and is able to see us through to life on the other side. But how did he conquer death for us? Well, for us, death is a natural consequence of a fallen life. But since Jesus lived a perfect life and died a death he didn't deserve, death had no power over him. It had no power to hold him. Death is only a consequence of sin. If I haven't sinned, death is not a consequence. Jesus never sinned. Therefore, because of his perfection, death couldn't hold him. The spiritual laws of the universe were in disarray. And so the grave could not hold him. That's why on that wonderful Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, he burst forth from the tomb. He triumphed over death and Hades because it had no power over him. And his resurrection was a great victory and vindicated him once and for all. By triumphing over death through his resurrection, he enables us too to triumph over death. And we'll come back to that in a few moments. And he now has the power of death and Hades. 
And this is how he's pictured in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. You remember the vision that John sees at the beginning of Revelation? He sees a figure glorified, but in his hands he has the the keys of death and of Hades. He has the control over, over all that happens beyond the grave. It's in Jesus' hands because he has triumphed and he has conquered and he has overcome. Some people don't seem very excited about that this morning. I ain't got any better. (laughs) God appointed him as as his son in power through the resurrection. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says this. I'll read from verse 1 actually. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, but who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says that because of the resurrection, Jesus was declared the son of God with power. The result of Jesus' resurrection was that he was declared the son of God with power. But wasn't he already the son of God? Yes, of course he was. We've seen that in our previous studies. The key phrase here is with power. In his earthly existence, Jesus subjected himself in all things to the will of the Father and lived upon earth as a servant. However, at the resurrection, God raised him up, the same and yet not the same, still in a material body but in a glorified one that has access in both heaven and earth. Further, he's now appointed as head over all things and he reigns on the throne of heaven. He's now in an exalted state and has all power and all authority in his hands. That's how God made him the son with power because he has all authority and all power in his hands. He's seated on the throne of the universe. There is no greater power. There is no greater authority. There is no one else that the world's going to have to bow down to. There's no one else to whom we need ultimately to give our worship and praise. He's appointed head over all things and he reigns on the throne of heaven. And he is now in an exalted state and has all power and authority. And in this state, he is our mediator in heaven. The God-man who's able to represent humanity in the presence of God because he was like us in all ways. There is a man in heaven who ever lives to make intercession for you before the Father. And that's the resurrected Jesus. And he's there pleading before the Father on your behalf this morning. And by the resurrection, all Jesus claims were vindicated. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, he would have just have been another dead prophet or philosopher. The resurrection proves that all claims that he made about himself were true. Because of this, we can believe the truth of the Gospels. We can believe in the reality of our salvation and we can know the freedom that comes from that truth. We've spoken about the freedom this morning, but that freedom is confirmed through the resurrection. The resurrection was the great reversal. The the law made clear that anyone who hung on a tree was cursed. And from all outward aspects, Jesus appeared to be cursed in his crucifixion. And in one sense he was because he was bearing our curse. 
There he was mocked and considered a curse by the rulers of Israel. He tasted death for everyone, it says in Hebrews 2.9. But through the resurrection, all of this was reversed. God raised him up and broke the curse of death. The resurrection was the proof of who he was and all that he had achieved. And God vindicated his son. And that is our hope. Jesus, there is no one like you. Open up my eyes in awe and wonder. But what are the implications for us? Well, the first thing is death has been defeated. Jesus didn't just defeat death for himself. He defeated it for us as well. His victory over death means that we too can triumph over death. Does this mean that we won't now die? Well, of course not. What it does mean, however, is that we will not suffer the eternal consequences of death. The real issue of death is separation. It separates us from our material existence, and it separates us from God. And hell is eternal separation from God. Through his resurrection, Jesus has guaranteed that we no longer have to experience that eternal separation from God. He's gone before us to prepare a place, as it says in John 14.3. In other words, if we die before he returns, we have a certain hope of being home with the Lord. If we're alive at his coming, we'll be raised up to a new material existence alongside those who have already died. Whichever happens to us, we have life beyond the grave. Death isn't an ending for us who have put our trust in Jesus. It's a new beginning. And it's a new beginning that's already happened. Come back to that one as well in a moment. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's very long, but I want to pick out some things from that great chapter that Paul wrote on the the subject of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul goes into great detail about the resurrection here. And there are many things in these verses that he says, but I'll try and summarize it. Firstly, verse 22 to 24. For as as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. Firstly, Jesus is the firstfruits of the resurrection. Here Paul is likening the resurrection to a harvest. Who grows fruit or vegetables? few of us yeah my garden's too small i'm afraid but i'd love to grow some more but when you when you plant fruit or vegetables or when you see corn growing or anything else some come to ripen first and early some come in the middle and some come late and paul is saying jesus resurrection was the first fruits of the harvest and the, the first fruits are the guarantee that the rest of the harvest is going to follow And so he's saying that because Jesus has risen from the dead, that's the guarantee that you're going to be raised up. That's his guarantee. Jesus' resurrection is your guarantee too. You are, he's the first fruits, you're the harvest. Secondly, he tells us that in verse 25 to 26, 
For he must reign until his enemies, uh, uh, he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that to be abolished is death. He tells us that at the point, at that point, the point of the resurrection, death itself will be destroyed. There will be no more deaths for those who are resurrected. Our eternal well-being is is assured. We may die physically, but when we're raised up again, we will last eternally. Thirdly, he tells us that the resurrection, our resurrection body will be like that of Jesus. Essentially, our resurrection body will be imperishable and will be able to exist in heaven and on earth just as Jesus' body is. We're told that just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. In other words, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then he tells us how this will happen. And I'm going to read these verses from verse 50 onwards. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpets will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about that saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our resurrection is assured. And we will be raised up with Christ. And the reality is that we've already received our resurrection spiritually. Turn with me back to Romans. Chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 to 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin live, still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might have newness, uh, walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we died... With Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Don't go on presenting the members of your bodies to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those alive, as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law but under grace. What's Paul saying there? He's saying that physically we're not resurrected yet. That's to come. But spiritually, the moment we put our faith in Christ, our spirit was made alive. 
We we were suddenly made able to connect with God, to have a relationship with him, to be in communion with him. And he's saying, at that point, your old life was gone. All that is from the past, all the things you used to do that used to keep you in that trap of doing the wrong thing and being out of fellowship with God, it's all gone. It's finished. It's past. You don't have to live in it anymore. You don't have to let it control you anymore. You don't have to live in the power of it anymore. You don't have to live with the, with the temptations overcoming you anymore. You've been set free from that past. When you went in the waters of baptism, you died. When you came out, you came out to a new life. You came out to a new position. You came out with a new power and a new strength because the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is now at work within you. You don't have to continue to sin and do that stuff that drags you down and makes you feel rubbish. You can live a new life and in a new way because the power of the resurrection is at work within you. Our old life is dead and buried. And that's what baptism is a symbol of. And just as we come out of the water to a, to, to a new life following Jesus, so our spirits are made to, to light, alive to God through faith. Suddenly we're alive and in relationship with the living God. The resurrection of Christ is at work in me. And the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead has also breathed life into my spirit. I've already been resurrected in that I'm alive to God. And will no longer suffer that eternal separation from him. I might, might die physically, but I look forward to an eternity with him. And Paul tells us that the implications of this is that we should stop living out of that old life that is now dead. And the core was the cause of our separation to God. Instead, we should live out the new life that's been ignited within us. Consider ourselves dead to that past. In other words, we're no longer to... Longer to um, we no longer have to think about sin as being an in, 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 can't even say it an inevitability, and no longer do we have to give in to its temptations because they're part of the, that past that used to be ruling over us that is now dead. A new spirit is at work in us, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in the rest of Romans, Paul tells us how to live it out. It's not by law. It's not by obeying a load of rules and regulations. It's about allowing the Spirit to work within us, that power of resurrection, and walking by the Spirit, and walking under the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and trusting God every day, and making choices that we choose to live his way and not the other way, the way we used to live, so that the power of the resurrection makes its work through us and in us. Set your mind on things of God. If you fill your mind with the word of God, if you spend time communing with God and his spirit, you will not sin. I was going to write this as a blog this month, but I'll talk about it now. Some of you will know, most of you will know, I've just done an amazing journey this week by walking the length of Hadrian's Wall. After 20 miles, I pulled a muscle in my leg. I only had 70 miles further to walk. Unfortunately, Josh also blistered so badly that he had to take a bus on some of the rides. So I was left walking 20 miles for two days, on two, on two separate days, with a bad leg, with blisters on my feet, and struggling to walk. Do you know what got me through? On the first day, I re- remembered every scripture that I'd ever memorized and just talked them through. 
on the second day, I tried to remember every song that I've ever learned and sung them through. It was the word and it was worship that got me through. The word and worship is the power of God at work within you. Hold on to the truth of the word, sing praises to God, and you can get through anything. That's the power of the resurrection at work. And I got through. I remembered songs that I haven't sung for donkey's years. Amazing how they come back. Huh? <laughs> it wouldn't have been pleasant listening. The reality is if, if we really love Jesus and if we really understand the power of the resurrection that's at work in us, we'll want to be like him in every way. We'll no longer want to live selfish lives pleasing ourselves, but we'll want to live our lives in the good of all that Jesus has done through us through his death, death and resurrection. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is at work within us. Jesus' resurrection is the vindication of our faith. It's the power of the cross made actual in our lives. And we have been raised up with Christ. This week, I want to encourage you, seek to live out the new life you have in Christ Jesus. Seek to live out in the power of the resurrection that that is already at work within you. Seek to set Jesus and all that he is as number one priority. And you won't go far wrong. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll sing our last song. Father, we thank you for your resurrection power that's at work within us. We thank you that all, for all that you've achieved in the cross and the resurrection. And may we never cease to give thanks for all that you've done and live in the power and the good of all that you've done. Amen.